Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Jasmine Star Show. I'm Pauline, a software developer at Social Creator, and I'm so excited to share with you a conversation Jasmine had on the Callie Adams Show. In this interview, Callie and Jasmine discuss how to live with deeper self-awareness, why it's important, and how Jasmine's humble approach to life keeps her going day by day. Jasmine loved this conversation, so many thanks to Kelly Ammons for allowing us to share it with you. I'm sure you can learn a lot about what it looks like to live with a level of self-awareness that fuels your business. So let's listen in. Jasmine, thank you so much for being here. It is an absolute honor and a privilege. And I love sitting on the opposite side of the mic because you so generously educated the social curator (laughs) team. It's stuff that people still talk about. So having this conversation feels like not like an interview, but an extension of that. So I'm ready to dive in. So thank you. Yeah. Well, thank you for inviting me to do that. That was so fun. Jasmine has a large team that continues to grow. And yeah, she had me come speak about the Enneagram, which Jasmine, do you want to share your type with my audience? Oh, yes. I am a three wing four. Yup. And I think that's why I have admired you for so long is <laughs> not that you're crazy, but I've been like, oh my gosh, someone else thinks like me. Like someone no, I'm crazy. Else- it's okay. I, yeah, I step I- into the crazy. It's not a bad thing. I don't ever think that crazy is a bad thing. Crazy is the connotation that we place on it. And I am a little bit crazy and the craziness has served me well over the years. Yeah. And like, I don't know if you experienced this in your childhood, but I I would always think like, why do I think this way? Why am I so driven? Why am I always like pushing my friends to do more and myself? And I just like have this drive that I don't know how to stop. And I used to think I needed to tone it back. But then when I learned about the Enneagram, I'm like, mm. oh my gosh, this is a gift God has put in me. And if I don't actually run with this, I'm doing a disservice to the world. And that's what stands out to me about your brand is I get that energy from you. And I feel like you push other people to run that race too. And so I love it. I'm like, when I need a good kick in the pants, I'm going to go turn on this podcast. (laughs) I love it. I love it. I love it. So when did you find out your Enneagram type? Do you remember how long ago it was? Oh, goodness. I would, if I had to guess, it's somewhere around six years ago, six or seven years ago. Cool. So you've known about it for a while. Has that helped you like in business specifically and how you run your business? Absolutely. Knowing the what people call the dark side of like a three yeah. or the underside, it was very helpful for me to understand and spot those things in myself. And it mm-hmm. was just like a form of, cal- more than anything, it was a form of calibration. Mm-hmm. And also a deeper understanding of my wing four empowered mm-hmm. me as a creative. I understood why I didn't want to do things mm-hmm. the way that it had done before. And that I place right. a value. And sometimes you're a little bit um, sometimes a little bit blue. It's like yeah. where you create. And I used to look at that as liability. And now I understand it's as an asset. Mm. Oftentimes, I, in my darkest periods, I come out with something that I'm really mm. proud of. And so instead of looking at it as like an entirely bad thing, I also know that there is beauty that comes after darkness. Mm. That's so good. When you experience like those blue or those dark times, do you give yourself time and space to actually feel that, experience it and step away? Or I'm just curious how you practically handle that. It seems like in the beginning, I try to resist and rationalize. Mm-hmm. And, it, and that's the pattern. <laughs> but the, the beauty about the pattern is that the, the time between realization and stepping back continues to get shorter and shorter. Whereas in the past, I might've fought and resisted it for months not yeah. really understanding that like cloud of melancholy. Mm-hmm. And it, I realize that the sooner I surrender to that and, you know, sometimes I like this full awareness and I'm like, whoa, I need to step back. I need to dive deep. I need to understand where this is coming from, that mm-hmm. that process has gotten shorter. And so, yes, I do step back, but it isn't as immediate. And I hope one day yeah. it it is. That's yeah. the goal. 
And it's hard because sometimes like all the emotions we experience and how you're saying like dipping into the forts, like sometimes you actually do have to push through those emotions. And like, you might have a photo shoot or you might have content that you have to get done that day. And it's like learning how to push through that. But at the same time, not in an unhealthy way of just like shoving, shoving, shoving and never dealing with what actually is going on. Correct. And I have just, even in type fours that I've coached, I have found that is a really hard struggle for them to discern, like, is this a time to push through my emotion and kind of suck it up? Or is this a time to like sit here and feel all the feels that I'm feeling? So I'm curious, do you have any tips for that? Or do you feel like you're still figuring that out yourself? And when I you would never, I would never classify it as a tip. I mm. think that there's been iterations and mm. at different times in my life, I've tried different things, but mm, you know, at the time of this recording and being 100% candid, going through a few things, absolutely yeah. feeling the undercurrent the, of melancholy. I feel like the gray clouds. I feel like a pressure within my chest and I know. And so I've mm. already, so I've gone through the process of acknowledging. I know where it's coming from. Yeah. And on a day like today where I have, you know, three meetings and six podcasts, it is a time where you compartmentalize. Yep. Now, if I continuously compartmentalize, I'm doing myself a massive disservice to my mind, my body, to mm. my spirit. But in the course of today, it's, I have to push through. I want to. The right. better side of me wants to. Perhaps like that. it's at three yeah. turning out. Yep. But I do have time tomorrow carved out a time for my husband and I to take a drive. We're going to yep. go to lunch and I'm just going to talk and I'm going good. to process <laughs> and then surrender to that. And then we lead into a weekend. So that's so good. Um, whenever I am feeling this way is just like carving out and protecting mm-hmm. pockets of time to be like, I'm going to feel all of it. I'm going to take deep breaths. And yeah. I had a conversation today where someone told me that if you have a thought, the body holds a breath. Hmm. So if you have a lot of thoughts, you're constantly holding your breath. Wow. And as you hold your breath, you're depriving your brain of the oxygen that it needs to think clearly and to wow. listen to one's intuition. And I was so just good. like, that is what's happening to me this week. I have not yeah. been taking enough deep breaths to clear out space for mm. me to actually think and work mm. through it. So my intention tomorrow, my intention tonight, girl, my intention tonight <laughs> is lots and lots of deep breaths. I don't want to do mm. anything uh, with technology after my workday. I yeah. want to put my phone away. I don't want to have yep. any TV. I want to be present with my daughter, so present with my husband, take lots of deep breaths before I go to bed, sleep as much as possible tomorrow, carve out my workday carve out time for self-care, which is in the form of, for me, getting a good workout in. And then yeah. I'm having, I'm having a lunch. Perhaps yeah. I'm having a little bubbly too. You know, that kind of <laughs> just helps bring down yeah. the brain a bit. Yeah. Uh, the, when you're talking about the breathing, I'm like finding myself right now, like <laughs> trying to like, yeah. <laughs> I'm like I'll just all take a minute, but yes. that is so good. And I love how much like internal things going on in our soul and our life are so physical as well. Like how you're just explaining with the body and Jasmine, I'm going through a ton too in my life right now. And that's causing me to think, I'm like, wow, I actually haven't been taking the time I usually have in the morning to like meditate and just breathe Mm -hmm. and exercise and stretch, listen to what my body needs. So that's so good and practical. I love giving my listeners like practical things where it's like, if you're feeling overwhelmed or stressed, literally taking a deep breath can be like that transformative. So thank you for sharing that. And I didn't even start off by asking you this, but tell my listeners really quick what you do for a living, just so they understand like how branded you are, like how customer facing you are in pretty much everything you do. (laughs) You know, I, um, I resisted for a long time embodying the word multi-passionate entrepreneur. It kind of grated against (laughs) me, but then all of a sudden I realized I was a walking embodiment of it. Yeah. I am 
I'm a content creator. I'm an educator. I'm a creative. I'm a podcast host. I'm a photographer. I am a writer. I am a creator. I'm also the CEO of Social Curator. And that puts me in the lead position as lead educator on the inside of Social Curator. So what I do is I teach business owners how to market their business and get sales. And the way that I do this is by creating a content ecosystem. So I'm showing up in as many platforms as possible because I don't want to create for me. I want to create for we. Mm -hmm. Where people are, there they should find or be able to Mm -hmm. find content that I'm creating that would then act as a vehicle to go toward Social Curator, which is a subscription for business owners. So everything that I do is on the back of my why. A deep, Mm -hmm. deep, profound sense of purpose when it comes that I wake up in the morning, despite how hard things might be, knowing that I've been put on this earth to empower small business owners, to be captains of their ship and masters of their destinies, to give them a way to get what they want on mm-hmm. their own terms by monetizing what they happen to be really good at. And to me, so I think about that person and I think about and I think about her, I think about him, and I'm like, you have to show up so other people can show up. And that's hopefully mm-hmm. the legacy that I end up leaving. Mm, so good. Yeah. Jasmine is everywhere, every platform <laughs> and her content is so good. Like literally if you need a cake in the pants, like just go turn on really her podcast, I think is the best place for that. But it's so good. You even had a reel the other day that I was like, yes, like had my hands in the air where you were like, if you don't like the results, how do you actually put it? I wrote it down. Oh, you can't, you complain. can't complain about the results you don't have for the work you don't do. I was like, preach it. And I want you to actually speak to that, Jasmine, because so many people, even in my community, reach out and want to be business owners and they have great ideas, great products, but they're marketing your whole passion. They don't know how to market it. They don't know how to be a voice. There's fear, there's failure. And so they complain, I don't have followers, I don't have sales. So I just want you to speak to that person and hold nothing back. Like give whatever wisdom you want to share and really speak to what you were saying in that reel of about the whole complaining aspect. Well, complain is also is oftentimes a byproduct of an inarticulation of a deep desire. Mm-hmm. We complain about the size of our pants when the deep desire should be a resistance toward ice cream. Mm-hmm. We complain <laughs> about a pile of laundry. And while we're not actually addressing the resistance to putting it in the washer machine. So I don't want to focus so much on the complaint because the complaint is just like the top level, the tip of the iceberg that everybody sees, but what is underneath and what are, what is underneath is fear. Mm. And what is underneath is vulnerability. What is underneath is like the resistance to becoming the thing that people often said that you would being a failure, not following through, not having enough. Who do you think you Mm -hmm. are? Somebody does it better. Somebody has more. So we all have a narrative. Every single one of, I don't care who you are. We all have a narrative. It is a subconscious soundtrack in our minds that keeps us held back. And it Mm -hmm. isn't until we actually address what's going on under the surface Mm -hmm. that we can move past it. Because nobody wakes up and thinks to myself, like, I am such an idiot. I'm terrible. I'm dumb. We don't actually have those frontward facing cognizant thoughts. But in the background, we have these much sneakier thoughts of they have more, they've done more, they're more experienced. Who am I? This isn't new. There are thousands of other people who do the thing that I want to do. And I think to myself, but yes, as in eons of time, Mm -hmm. There has never been just one farmer. 
Mm-hmm. There's never been just one milk maid. There has never been one <laughs> teacher. So true. And all before, every before us. And yet on social media, it's highlighted that we're one mm-hmm. of many, but that has always been the case. So if we always know that our grandparents, our great-grandparents, our great-great-great-grandparents have felt the same thing, but for us, it's simply amplified. The goal and objective would be, okay, how do I still connect with the same amount of people? Because wow. barring social media, barring putting out content, is that your grandparents and great-grandparents had ability or needed the ability if they had a business to reach out to who was just around them. We Mm -hmm. have that capability and yet we shackle ourselves by telling ourselves lies Mm. that we must have something, do something or be something that we're already not. No, people smell it on the internet. The thing that will do the greatest gift for your sales, for your branding, for your social media is just be you. And it is better for you to be liked by two people on Instagram than have 200,000 followers who just look and are assessing what it is you do. Because 200,000 people assessing what it is you do will never become consumers. But the two people who like what you do, they are more likely to buy and tell seven other people about what it is they bought from you. So that no like and trust factor is what gets people off the fence. And this is why I'm like, yo, show up as yourself. Have somebody hate you for 100% of who you are than to like you for you being a carbon copy of somebody you Mm. think you need to be. No, thank you. So good. So good. You spoke at Business Boutique. I think it was in 2019. I was there. And that was the one thing that stood out to me about your keynote is you were like, I'm going to be me so much that people either love me or hate me. Like I'm not this in between trying to people please everyone which is really cool to hear you talk about Jasmine because the three at their nature shape shifts so that people love them and is really good at putting on different personas. And when you said that, I was like, holy crap, I, I struggle with that. I really want everyone to like me. And especially in that season, that was when I was first stepping full-time into my business. And I was so scared what friends were saying, people were saying, making fun of my business. And that keynote like really did a switch on me. It's still something I have to work through for sure. But it was like, wow, if like... I just have to be me. That's it. And even if you try to please everyone, there's still haters. Like either way, yeah. people aren't going to like you. So I'd <laughs> <Yeah>. rather <laughs> not be liked by actually being me and confident of like who Callie is deep down and who she's showing up to be. That's so good. So How when you- we, uh, one thing that I want to just tap here for a second, because yeah, I, I would it. like to connect the dots, not for anybody else, but for myself, is that <laughs> three does shape shift. Mm-hmm. In my whole life, I have desired to be liked by all. Mm-hmm. And then I quickly realized that when I was burning the wick at both ends, trying to be liked by all, it mm-hmm. still ended up for not. Yeah. And so the biggest learning for myself was understanding, being aware, like I am doing this because I want to be liked. Mm-hmm. And then challenging myself to still do something in service of somebody else, but not tie my attachment to it. Ooh, so and I good. think that that was like the biggest awakening for myself and understanding when I'm functioning from ego. Ego is I want you to like me and I'll do whatever I need to. Right. Understanding right. and a deeper awareness is like, I still want you to like me. I'm going to serve, but I'm going to be unattached to your opinion of me thereafter. Mm. Oh my gosh. Okay. We got to go deeper here because I just want to learn from you. So the whole like being unattached from someone's opinion, how do you, like, how have you gotten to that point in your life? Cause I'm like, that sounds nice and that sounds great, but to really not care about that opinion. And I would say for me, like strangers on the internet, that's not as hard, but someone who's like close in my real life inner circle that might straight up to my face be like, I disagree with the Enneagram. I think you're going to hell because you teach this, like whatever they might say, Mm -hmm. that's where... I want to learn how to actually detach from that. And it's hard for me. So tell me how you've learned how to do that. How do you 
truly not care in a sense. Again, not a tip. I think that people who can give tips are people who are like really seasoned and really okay. I It is still very much a process. I've come mm. a long way, but it's still very much a process. Okay. For me, whenever somebody is coming to my face in my circle or like a medium-sized circle away from me yep. and even strangers on the internet, I often know that a deep criticism or a worry or an opinion about my work is more of a reflection of where they're at than where I am. So good. So and good. so their limit, their limitations are manifesting because I am doing or I have, pos- I am possessing something they want. Now, I'm not saying they want to be me, that there's mm-hmm. something yeah. that I am doing or that I possess that they themselves want, but don't have the courage or the wherewithal mm-hmm. or the ability to do it. So instead oh of looking at somebody else doing something, they want to chip away at the very thing that I'm doing. That and so, so just yesterday, there is an account and I think it probably, I don't know, has three or 4,000 followers. And I've never heard of this account, but a couple of people me, a couple of people were tagging me by repurposing this account's post. This account had taken a screen grab from a reel I had created. And the reel was about five seconds. And it was about the importance of charging your worth. Hmm. And this, I don't know, organization company account, took a screen grab and they said that this is really ironic that she's saying that you should charge for your worth because here's her hiring process for one of their brand ambassadors. And they're asking people to work for free. And I have to tell you that like, I felt like my stomach had dropped out from me and I'm like, where is this going? Like, this is vitriol. Mm -hmm. And they had documented the process of what we ask content creators on our team. If you're going to apply, we're going to ask you to submit a piece of written work. Mm Mm-hmm. And they were saying that I'm asking people to work for free. And it took me like a minute. Remember that when we'd started this conversation of like this moment of cognizance and then working through. And I realized, wait, I stand by that decision that if Mm. you're going to be a writer for this team and we ask you to write a sample blog post, the prerogative is yours. And the deeper ironic part is in the caption of the reel, I had said, there are plenty of events that want to book me, but they don't want to pay me. They say, oh, we'll pay you an exposure. And for and I said in the caption, for years, I spoke for free. Mm. And then I realized that I got to a point that only people were hiring me because I was free. So then mm. I made the decision to charge what I was worth. So I still stand by it. And so all of this goes back to there is somebody out on the internet and a people, a group of people who are rallying around this account and tagging me and saying I'm a charlatan and saying I'm BS. And I had to look at it and I said, okay, this group of people want something that I have or that I possess and they're willing to tear somebody else down and make us question what it is we do. So the attachment then became, do I stand by, am I walking in integrity? Yes. And then the best part is I asked myself, could we find a way to refine this application process? Mm. We changed three things about that application process. So I tip my hat to this organization who tried to tear us down. Thank you. Thank you for giving us some real great advice. So for all our future, for all people who are applying to be a content creator for the social care team, you have a better experience because somebody else tried to degrade. So we're going to move on. So good. So good. And I love how you literally walk yourself through it mentally. That's actually another good example is type threes when we're in conflict, we use logic. And so you felt conflict within your own spirit, within your own soul of what was happening. 
and to hear you pull the healthy part of the logic where it's like, okay, this is what was said. Is this true? Yes or no? And then just going through it and talking yourself through it is so powerful. And I love how you twist it in a way where it's like someone can use this for harm, but I'm going to use this for good for my company. Like try to come at me, but it's going to... This is an opportunity, which leads me to another reel, or maybe it's just a video that you did about failure. And you were sitting down talking about I mean, I know there's so many failures. You could probably share that would take like hours just in your business. But (laughs) when people, like when I look at you and I look up to you, it's really easy to be like, wow, Jasmine has it all together, even though you're so vulnerable and share a lot of things that are a struggle or a failure. In this video, you were talking about how failure is like a gift and an opportunity and learning to embrace it. And I'm also curious, like as a type three, we hate failing, like at our core, Mm -hmm. at our like really sinful nature is how I teach it we want to be successful in everything we do. And in the world, success is essentially not failing, not struggling. So you have to re, you have to retrain your brain really in your neuropaths of what failure actually is and what success is. And hearing you speak to them, just like, wow, I really admire your health and how you see failure as an opportunity. And I'm curious, have you always thought like that? And if not, when, when have you like reconstructed your mindset around failure and welcoming it more as like, you know what? This is a success if I embrace this. There is a book by Dr. Carol Dweck. It's called Mindset. And you are you have a growth mindset or a fixed mindset. And I am telling you, even if you're not a reader and you commit to the first four chapters of this book, it will have a radical shift mm. in all it all it does. All it does, it doesn't say one is really bad and you're terrible. And the best part is that everything is changeable. Mm. The brain is a muscle that can be developed and changed. Mm. I was born and I was conditioned for decades as a fixed mindset. Wow. I took things at face value. I Mm. can't do that. I don't like to play games. I cannot win. There is not a lesson to be learned in anything that I'm doing unless I win. And then who defines winning? It, winning. Mm. How you define winning and how I define winning, how you define success and how I define success are two entirely different things. And yet yeah. I'm going to hold, be holding myself to this like, invisible standard. And so all of a sudden I started realizing that there's this capability for growth, that everything that we go through will make us stronger and better. And if we went into every single thing as if it's a game, an infinite game, mm. a game that never ends. And our objective is how many times and how many lessons that can we learn? And we learn lessons by getting what we want. And we learn lessons by not getting what we want. Everything is just a lesson. I had a conversation with a woman by the name of Susan Sirota, very powerful businesswoman. And she had said that when she was in a startup phase, that she, as an overachiever and like win at all costs and never fail, that the way that she was able to like create a winning nature was that she said that every year her and her team would denote what they called their failure board. And their Mm. goal was to get X amount of failures in that year because the failures, like they learned more about what didn't work. They learned more about their target customer. They learned more about their product by knowing what didn't work. So their goal Mm. was to say how many times, because if all we ever do is we win is we're not growing fast enough. And I'm like, so good. I love it. I love it. Yes. (laughs) Convicting. Yes. So many mentors I listen to and look up to, it's that same mentality where it's like, how much can you fail exactly what you're saying? It's like, you learn from it. You learn how to make things better, your process better, but it's a changing of your mindset or really my mindset as well. Like the home that I grew up in, I think our society too, like really just 
the natural things that happen in life, it's easy to feel like failure is bad. I shouldn't pursue this unless I'll succeed. But that's something my husband and I have working, been working really hard at because it's like, if we're going to be successful in life as parents, as business owners, in our relationship, like we have to get comfortable with failure because yes. no way are we perfect at any of this. And then yes. you just feel like a failure and discouraged every single day if you have this, I guess really it's a standard of perfectionism that you just can't achieve. It's so crazy. Somebody once told me that perfectionism is procrastination in disguise. Oof. I know. I Convicting. Know. I See, know. this is why Jasmine's great. She drops so many truth bombs. I, yeah, that's so true. And I, I hold myself to that. And I'm like, there's no such thing as perfection. Mm. What you think is perfect, I would look at and think it's mediocre. When I think it's perfect, you would look at and think it's mediocre. There's no singular definition of perfection. So good. And so here we are trying to build out towards a thing that has not been defined, nor will it ever be defined. And then we wake up every day and we decide to enter in a boxing ring. Mm -hmm. And the only way that you ever win at perfection is by beating up an opponent. You need an opponent to win. And so you get into the ring of perfection and the only other person that you could fight in that ring is you. It's you against you and you pummel the other person day in, day out. And then you wake up wondering, why do I feel so bad about myself? Because you beat yourself up emotionally in that ring. Oh my gosh, that is such a good visual. Thank you so much for sharing that. I have one last question. I really want to make sure I have time to hear you answer because I want your wisdom on this. How do you handle or manage social media? Like how much you show up, how much content you create and also protecting your own individual life. I think I heard you say this maybe on a podcast that you really only share 1% of your life on the internet, but everyone probably feels like they know everything about you. And I'm curious, like your process of discerning what to share and what not to share. I will share, but before I'm going to like hone in on what you said, I'd like to hear your wisdom. And like, I want to be very clear. I have no wisdom. I speak from, from my vantage point. Hmm. And sometimes my vantage point, because I'm experienced, can come across hmm. as wisdom, but I don't look at it as wisdom. If anything, hmm. you and I are going to learn together because sometimes okay. science has shown that you learn more by teaching somebody else. So how about I teach you maybe the 1% a little bit more about this than I know in this. And then you and I get become yeah. 2% better collectively. So awesome. I look at social media as a division of business and not everybody does. And nor am I saying people should. Right. I am just talking about how I view it. And yeah. I view it as a division of business. Mm. And because it is a division of business, I go in to create more than I consume. And what happens is if you go into the mindset of I'm going to open TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, Snapchat, YouTube, and you are not in the mindset of I am here for business, you're easily, social media is designed to derail you. Mm -hmm. Social media is designed to give you a fruity drink that you don't know is vodka filled. Social (laughs) media is designed to be burning man and you're 21 covered in a dust mask. It is, it is totally intended to distort time and to distort space. And I'm going to come out and say, it's going to hear, it's here to distort reality. Mm. If you go in and you know, I'm here for my business, I'm here with intention. Or even if you're not a business owner, that you're coming in and you're just a consumer. You're just like, okay, do I love myself enough to put in parameters? If you go Mm. to a bar, you're not going to sit there and have 20 shots in a row. You're going to say, I know my limit. That limit's like maybe two glasses of wine, whatever your limit is. We have to approach social media the same way. I look at it strictly through the context of business. Mm. 
So I am on social media around three or four times a day during certain pockets of segment, but I am there to create. I'm either creating content or creating engagement. I am not deserving of engagement. I am Mm -hmm. not deserving of your like. I am not deserving of your comment. I'm not that interesting. I'm not that cute. I'm not that brilliant. I work for it. And how do I work for it? I give you what you want to be seen and a division of my time. And how do I do that? I like your post. I comment on your post. I respond to direct messages. In fact, I'm pretty sure you and I have had direct messages and I respond to all of them because I want to make sure that I am giving the thing that I want. So if we go in with the intention, if I'm here to make an impact in my own way, if I'm creating or consuming, but with limitations, and that just boils down to anything good in life. Every There is a thing as too much good stuff. Hmm. Absolutely. Hmm. That's so good. Yeah, I feel like a little child when it comes to social media, but maybe it's not. But like the boundaries and parameters I have to have on myself, I mean, it's unhealthy. Like I really don't feel like I can consume in a healthy way because I get stuck in that rabbit hole. And so that's definitely how I treat social media too is it's a business. I have it for business. If I didn't have a business on social media, I really don't know that I would use social media. Um, I'm more of a podcast consumer and a book reader. Like that's where I like to get my content. And so... That has just been a question though that people ask me. And I love how you started off saying not everyone has to treat it that way though. Like that mindset might work for you and I if we show up to create content and put it out. But someone else honestly might be able to have better boundaries and consume in a really healthy way. Where me, I'm like, there just went 15, 20 minutes that I didn't want to waste. Like I want to be really intentional with Oh, I'm going to be honest with you. Like I have wasted two hours on TikTok and it feels like it's two minutes. If you have, let me just tell you, I'm so embarrassed. I never thought I was actually going to admit this, but I'm going to admit this. I got a notification from TikTok. TikTok had a TikTok roll up and says, hey, I know TikTok can be a lot of fun, but it seems like you've been on our app a long time. I was like, is TikTok calling me out? I So talk to me about, whoa, my gosh! I did not set up any boundaries. I went to the bar. I got drunk and somebody had to carry (laughs) me out. That was, that was, and I'm using all these like alcohol now. I'm just like, I don't even really drink. Like I didn't even drink until I was like, my husband, are you okay? Do we need to talk about this? I know. I mean, but it's kind of like an analogy that people can look at. You know, it's like, if you have to ask, if you have to ask your friends, did I drink too much? You drank too much. And that is, if you're asking yourself, am I on social media too much? The answer is yes. Yeah. You would never oh. think of that thought if you didn't know a little bit of it was true. That's so good. Jasmine, I want to be respectful of your time. So tell my audience where they mm-hmm. can find you and get connected with you. Thank you a thousand times over. Jasminestar.com and at Jasmine, Jasmine, <laughs> Jasmine Star on all social platforms. Oh, that was so great. Thank you so much for Thank being you. here and having I this conversation. I appreciate you. you. Wasn't that interview amazing? I hope you enjoyed it as much as Jasmine and I did. To be in the know for all things on the podcast and to hear even more conversations like this, subscribe to the Jasmine Star Show from wherever you're tuning in from today. Thank you so much for listening and we'll chat with you on a future episode super soon. Bye.